Welcome back to The Daily Drum on WHUR, Sirius XM, Channel 141, 96.3 HD2 and 98.3 FM. This is the Insight Segment. I'm Harold Fisher. You don't have to look far to see evidence in our community of some form of domestic violence. And even if you don't see it in your home or in your family, it is there. Sometimes silent, just beneath the surface, or out in the open when you're shopping in a restaurant or even at a public event. Well, in this effort to combat this difficult social issue, the Prince George's County Family Justice Center will hold its Dancing with the Stars fundraiser this coming Friday. Now, we'll have more about that in just a bit. But first, this is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we discuss how this issue continues to plague our community. My guests are Denise McCain, director of the Prince George's County Family Justice Center, and Mandrell Burks, chair of the Prince George's County Family Justice Center Foundation. If you have a comment, if you have a question, if you need help or know someone who does, someone perhaps who needs support, give us a call. Lines are open at 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. Certainly you can X me at hfisherwhur or find me on Instagram at Harold T. Fisher. Denise Mandrell, thank you all for coming in. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you. That's right. Let's talk a little bit about some numbers real quick. Uh, According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, one in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence in their lifetime. Certainly a long phrase for what we commonly know as domestic violence. In other words, it's usually women as victims, but not always. Certainly, uh, this is same-sex partner violence can also be included in this. And, you know, Denise, I remember a handful of years ago that just in Prince George's County alone, the numbers for domestic violence, deadly domestic violence, were staggering. Mm -hmm. It seemed that every month there was a an incident that wasn't just violent it ended with the the death of of a victim where are we now in the county well harold i'm i'm really sad to tell you that we are seeing that cycle again the numbers have increased exponentially we are right now looking at 14 domestic homicides in Prince George's County alone. As recent as last week, a woman was killed. So we are seeing that this issue has become more dangerous. Um, They're more lethal, and we're also seeing cases where firearms are involved, which obviously would lead to a higher uh, death rate. So again, we are in a place right now where the, uh, you know, it's a serious problem. It's a very serious problem. To what do you attribute the constant growth in these incidents? Well, you know, this is, it's a cyclical issue. You know, the numbers are going to vary, but I, I really do feel that it's a, 
you know, a microcosm of a larger issue. You know, we're seeing such a spike in crime in general. Violence has become uh, very common in many aspects of life. We know that right now when we look at the murder rates, um, you know, around the DMV. But, you know, I'm a researcher and, of course, I always go back to studies and I try to find out what has been uh, found to be evidence-based. And there are several factors. Um, You know, some are structural, some are um, what we call intermediate factors. But really, you know, we're in a time right now where people are struggling and suffering. And age, socioeconomic factors, income, uh, lack thereof, I should say, unemployment. Uh, When individuals, or let's just say the perpetrator in this case, is not employed, he's home. He or she is home more often, which would make it more likely for conflicts in the household. Um, There are other elements such as, you know, uh, culture. There are some families, particularly if we look at, um, you know, foreign-born or Afro-Caribbean families that have very rigid uh, gender role identities where there's an expectation that women are to conform to certain standards. Uh, Those types of issues do impact and create much more disharmony, if you will, that lead to domestic violence. Uh, stress is a big factor. Um, you know, of course, none of these these variables, if you will, are causal. Um, you know, they they certainly don't warrant the, the the behaviors, but they do contribute to what we know to be um, reasons why we see more incidences of domestic abuse. You were going to say something, Major? Yeah. You know, I was thinking because I was having a conversation with uh, someone, and they said, you know, with all of the different. Um, resources in the county would the number go down and i think because we've been so proactive to continue to have the conversation whether it's uncomfortable or not that's kind of starting people to begin the thought process of what more can i do to support the issue but also um what can i do but also the victims can start realizing hey this is the definition of what domestic abuse is and this is a situation that I'm currently in and that's why I believe the numbers continue to go up because we have a large amount of people doing unique events just to keep that topic um, going because we know it's happening but it's still something that nobody wants to talk about. I can post all day but when I start posting about domestic abuse it gets very, the like button gets very Small. It's not that many people that wants to say, I want to be a part of that conversation. Yeah. And to your point, talk to me about what the the Prince George's County Family Justice Center does. What are the resources that are are available there that you know, a lot of people may not obviously be familiar uh, with the center? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that. We've been there for seven years, and I'm, I'm sometimes, again, startled and shocked to hear that people still don't know about us or what we do. But the Prince George's County Family Justice Center, it's an initiative of the circuit court. Um, it was established in 2016, and there are 21 organizations, local government and community nonprofit-based organizations that are all co-located in this one building 
with the goal of making resources readily available and more accessible to survivors of not just domestic abuse, but sexual assault, human trafficking, as well as elder abuse. Uh, what we know, and the reason why we started, or this, this uh, Family Justice Center was even established, was because it's very difficult for an individual to get services, particularly if they don't know where to go. Uh, add to that, they're stressed, they're traumatized, they're fearful. Um, you know, if, if you've never been in a courtroom, and um, it, it can be intimidating. It's a very daunting process. And then add to that, they have to take off work, they need childcare. It's difficult. So the Family Justice Center was really established to make that process more efficient, more holistic, um, with the survivor in mind, to make those resources available to them in this one building. 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. Zero. We are talking about Domestic Violence Awareness Month, specifically uh, what's happening in Prince George's County. I am talking to uh, Mandrell Burks, who is chair of the Prince George's County Family Justice Center Foundation, and Denise McCain, director of the Prince George's County Family Justice Center, uh, the organization that is at the center of the fight against domestic violence in Prince George's County. If you have a a comment, if you have a question, if you need help, if you have any need of support, again, lines are open at 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. One of the things, <coughs> excuse me, that I did mention earlier on and is the this event that's happening on Friday. It is a fundraiser it's called dancing with the stars and there are going to be several local air quotes celebrities <laughs> <laughs> that are going to be participating in this yep. this is a this is a fundraiser for uh, the center yes i am participating Yes, right. you are. Twinkle Toes. Is that his name? Twinkle Nobody said anything about any, any Twinkle Toes. That's what I'm calling you now. Twinkle Toes. These toes need a pedicure. But, uh, <laughs> so let's, let's, that part. But, um, oh, un so unfortunately, the event, the event is uh, sold out. Yeah. And, and that is unfortunate because... It, it's going to be a lot of fun, but there is a obviously serious message because the goal, I guess, is to raise them $75,000. Correct, yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and each of us who are participating along with, uh, we, we each have professional dancers. Uh, I have uh, a fantastic professional dancer. Her name is Erica Stotts. And if you would like to because I know you would like to and I would hope that you would help me uh, continue to support uh, the Prince George's County Families Justice Center so look uh, there is a link on my Facebook page you just go to Facebook and type in Harold T as in Thomas Fisher it's the first thing that will pop up click on it and just make a donation any amount helps and I I'm trying to get to $5,000. There are others who have done significantly better than I have. Don't embarrass me, WHUR family. <laughs> we know and you're going to come through. That's right. And then there are some others who um, 
are at the bottom of the list. <laughs> so, look, uh, as I said, you know, all jokes aside, please, please contribute. Because this is, you know, a very good cause. On this particular program, I never ask anyone for anything other than to listen and to give your opinions and to participate in the conversation. But this is a very, very important issue. Yeah. I, I, this is as important as the youth violence that we are seeing in our community. Uh, it as this is as important as making your voice heard. Uh, when you're talking about voting, but we are talking about domestic violence. We are talking about something that could be happening to you. It could be happening uh, to your neighbor. It could be happening to another family member that you love. And this money will certainly benefit the center. And, and to that point, because everybody wants to know, okay, so if I if I give $100, where is my $100 going? It's going to the foundation. Uh, and that website is pgcfamilyjusticecenterfoundation.org. You want to say that again because most folks are driving. Yeah, they're probably you, driving. Yeah, or you so. can check out Harold's Facebook page. But PGC Family Justice Center Foundation.org. And click on Get Started, or you can click on DWTS, and that'll take you to the Dance with the Stars webpage, and you can find Harold's team there. Click the Donate button. But, uh, again, we're here to exist. We exist to support the Family Justice Center. All the amazing work that uh, Denise and the staff, you know, have been working on, it's, it's there for you to see, and we really need your support. And speaking of which, okay, so and this is what I mean. Okay, Patricia... You just hit me up on Facebook. You asked for you want to want to be my friend on Facebook. Uh, okay, I'm going to let you do that. But then Patricia, I need you to make a donation. <laughs> don't 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 slide in my DM <laughs> unless you want to say, "Hey, I made a donation." I I just, you know, just come on. Logan, please do. You know, all all of these folks who are hitting me up on Facebook right now, you know, please. Just click on it and and then go down the you know scroll down so you'll you'll see, see my you. face yes but I also want to add for those of you that are you know thinking about donating to mm -hmm. support Harold and his team uh, this money more specifically is going to the Family Justice Center to establish a camp mm -hmm. for children um, mm. we forget about the children they are the silent victims. And, you know, children are witnessing an abuse in their homes, and it has a devastating um, impact on their lives immediately as well as long term. So we're hoping 2024, the summer, to start a Camp Hope, Prince George's County Camp Hope. It's an evidence-based camping and mentoring program for children who've been impacted by domestic abuse. So we're taking this movement a step further. We're going back, starting at the beginning, working with children who have experienced or witnessed this abuse in their homes because what we know is that they're more prone to become victims or perpetrators themselves. And that's how you break the cycle to domestic abuse by starting at the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. There's not that many programs that's out there that really exist to support um, kids. It's the only one, actually, in the, in the country. Camp Hope America is a national, national program. And so it's we the really only need one. To, yeah. So we're trying to start one through the Family Justice Center. I, I would imagine you are talking about a lot of children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that mm -hmm. because you, you may not be talking about one child per survivor. You could be talking about two or three or five. And, and, you know, where you have you know mothers who are trying to escape the situation, 
or grandmothers who are trying to support other family members that are that are trying to address this. So I, I think it, it's really, really important for people to 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 pay attention. And certainly you know, the fundraising this week is is important. But as Mandrell said, it is also important to have the conversation and and on the other side after the break I do specifically want to talk about who those survivors are what that conversation looks like and some of the the bigger issues around domestic violence as well as some changes that we've seen recently in the laws in the state of Maryland. Anita calling from DC, I need you to hang on because I do want to talk to you. So please stay with us. Lines are still open at 202 302-319-7810. 202-319-7810. Daryl, you just fr- friended me. I expect to see a donation from you, my brother. I really appreciate it. Please stay with us. The Daily Drum will continue on Sirius XM Channel 141. And don't forget, you can hear every edition of the Daily Drum Insight segment via podcast on WHUR.com. Or you can download the 96.3 HD2 app on your smartphone and hear the program live in its entirety. 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. If you're on the phone, stay with us. Of course, the Daily Drum will continue on Sirius XM. I'm Harold Fisher. John Mons is next with the original Quiet Storm. That's on WHUR. We'll be back with this important conversation in just a few seconds. Welcome back to the Daily Drum on Sirius XM Channel 141. I'm Harold Fisher. This is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we are discussing just how this issue continues to plague our community. My guests are Denise McCain, director of the Prince George's County Family Justice Center, and Mandrell Burks, chair of the Prince George's County Family Justice Center Foundation. Lines are open at 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. Anita, calling from D.C. Thanks for calling, Anita. What's on your mind? I'm a domestic violence survivor. Anita, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, I most certainly can. Go right ahead. I'm a domestic style. I'm a pullover, so I can take you off speaker. So we won't. Okay, I've pulled over. Let me take you. Yeah, off we, we we want you to be safe when you're when you're chatting with us. Certainly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. See, I'm trying to get you off the speaker. Uh, off the speaker. Yes. Thanks for taking my call. Well, thank you for calling. Just, What's on your mind? I got in my car and I heard it, and I heard the radio. And I just wanted to share that I'm a 30-year survivor. And 30 years ago, I wasn't offered any help or any, any, you know, I just had to, I just felt like I just had to keep going in life, you know. So I lived a kind of destructive life because of what I went through. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, like maybe two years ago, I got a therapist and everything and I began to talk about it. But before that, I never talked about it. I just had to just keep going and and it wasn't healthy so how did you survive this if you don't mind tell tell us the tale what what happened to you um i was i was 20 
I met a guy at the Safeway, and um, I didn't know he was in a halfway house next to my house. Mm. He went to jail for like six months, and when he came home, um, we rekindled our friendship, and it started with a smack, and the smack was followed up by a tight hug that he loved me, and he was so sorry. I had never been smacked like that, so I took him for his word. Um, eventually, it got worse. But what the biggest one was, he, um, I woke up with homicide beside my bed at the hospital. Mm. And it took me a minute to ask who's dead. They didn't expect for me to make it. So they had already assigned a homicide detective to my case. Mm. Well, fortunately, fortunately, you're here and you're safe and you're doing what's necessary to continue to heal and recover. Uh, from that tragic situation. But, you know, your situation is not uncommon, or your experience, I should say. Um, like so many victims and survivors of domestic abuse, um, you know, you don't see it until it's there. Uh, what we call that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, the person that mm -hmm. you meet is not the person that ultimately ends up be being your abuser. So hopefully the help, the therapy that you're getting with that you've had um, has allowed you to really see that situation for what it was and um, ideally not fall back into that again because so many women uh, leave one abusive relationship and go into another one because they haven't really clearly um, been able to identify what the signs were, which is most important. And also, you know, we, we encourage people to, if you see something, um, and, and that first slap that you pointed out, uh, typically people think it was an isolated incident, it wasn't, it's not going to happen again, he apologized, he's sorry, or I may have done something to cause him to do that. Never excuse. No one ever deserves to be beaten, nor does anyone have a right to put their hands on you. But recognize that that first lap was the beginning. And I'm saying that for someone who may have also experienced that and thought much like you, that it was just something that happened. But if they hit you once, more than likely it's going to happen again. And each time it tends to become more severe. So kudos to you for getting out, getting the help that you need, and hopefully you'll continue to move forward with healthy relationships. Yeah, and thank you for calling in. Yeah, uh, Anita, thank you so much. Good, good luck to you. One of the things that you know, I'm, I'm always curious about, it, and I don't think, Denise, I've ever asked you this, because this, is, this has been your vocation, your advocation, uh, why did you pick this? <laughs> mm. Well, no, you haven't. And what I would say to you is probably 99% of those of us that do this work, I don't think any of us ever pick it. Um, I certainly am not one that um, grew up and said, this is what I want to do um, as a career. But I have shared this publicly before. Um, I'm the child of a victim. Um, my mother actually lost her life um, through domestic abuse. So I lived through it. I saw it as a child. Um, and just like the caller Back then, there were no laws, there were no programs, there were no shelters. And in fact, um, if the police were called, oftentimes they weren't because they wouldn't do anything. Um, they basically told my father to take a walk or asked my mother, what does she do uh, to, to cause the situation, to upset him? Um, I grew up in a Catholic church. Uh, back then, priests would come to the home. My mother would share with the priest her experience, and he told her it was her cross to bear. So, yeah. Yeah, so I, I witnessed this, I understood it, but it still was not on the forefront of my mind as to what I was going to do. 
Um, it was only years later after um, being in college, and I was a sociology and criminology major, I did an internship at a domestic violence shelter. And that's when the first time that I saw that there were actually programs and services. And because I was able to relate to the women and the children that were there, I knew what their need was. And it just really sparked in me um, a desire to want to do more. I wanted to be at the forefront, um, not necessarily on the ground level, because I'm not good with separating my personal experience with um, you know, what I experienced and witnessed with helping other people. And you have to be able to put that wall up. So for me, it was more important to be on the policy side, to be on the administrative side, to be able to bring resources and effectuate change with laws and policies and procedures. So again, somewhat of a um, different route, but I would say most people that do this work have had some direct intimate experience with domestic abuse, whether personally or um, familiar with someone that in their family or friends. What, what about you, Mandro? Because I've not asked you either. Mm. I, I came fresh out of college um, to an organization and I was able to uh, see families and meet families as a coordinator. So it didn't exist in my household at all. But, you know, knowing me with making sure that I complete the task or complete the job um, that's given to me, I was exposed to um, families and all of this, these issues that I didn't know existed. And I had nothing, I had no idea about um, issues that would go on like this. And I wanted to be a part of how can I change this? And as I continued to work, I noticed all of these flaws in a system that just didn't make sense. It made it harder for victims to speak out, for children that ain't gain access to help. And I'm like asking the basic questions and, you know, I would get this deaf tone or, you know, no one wanted to become involved. And I was like, there are people suffering and dying. Why are you so quiet about this? And, and that's what, and I kept going in and I kept pushing in. And I said, well, you know what, what we're going to do, we're going to do a walk. And then we're going to bring more exposure to it. Then we're going to we're going to keep pushing. We're going to try to, you know, I don't know. Let's create a give me shelter fundraiser. I don't know. Let's let's keep pushing because I'm not going to stop. I keep hearing these stories. They keep coming to me. All right, let's go. Let's even push for a radio station. And then you hear Denise, you know, telling I knew her story. But the story, the part I never forgot was when she told me when she came to her mom and she had the band-aid and she was providing the band-aid to her mom and to a bruise late at night. And, and and those stories, if you are actual human being, they stick with you. They stick with me. And every story is unique. And so, you know, regardless of how tired I am with dealing or trying to find a way to get someone to provide a dollar to support a victim or to get a program to create a policy to support an organization. I just think back about how all those people are suffering and say, you know what, what I'm going through doesn't compare to uh, what they're dealing with. But what I am going to do is make sure that someone else knows you need to step up. Mm-hmm. Let me go back to the phone lines. 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. Let's talk to Bruce calling from D.C. Thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Bruce, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, go right ahead. Um, What's on your mind? 
How you doing, sir? I'm doing um, just fine. All right. Um, I went through domestic violence uh, two years ago um, with my um, estranged or ex-wife. And the thing is that um, I'm, I'm still struggling with that situation because of the fact that, um, you know, um, it's just, you know what I mean? I guess what it is is that um, I, I, I assume that it's, it's, it doesn't, something that just go away easily. You know what I mean? You know, and I'm still struggling with it every day. So how do I, how do I, um, get past it? You know what I mean, I've, got, I've dealt with, um, the, uh, Family Justice Center, um, you know what I'm saying? Um, but, um, I mean, I went to counseling, but the thing is, is that I'm still struggling with that. When you, if you, when you say you're struggling, Bruce, uh, mm -hmm. was your estranged wife the perpetrator of the uh, domestic violence or uh, were you the perpetrator? She was. She was, okay. Was it physical or emotional, yes. psychological abuse? No, it was physical. And did you pursue criminal or civil remedies such as uh, protective orders, things of that nature? Yes, yes I did, yes I did. But I still live, you know what I'm saying, where I, have to feel, I, I feel that I have to, you know, like, I'm, I'm still like, I feel that I'm still walking on eggshells. So you're you know still I mean? with you, her? You're still with no, her? No, 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 no. Um, actually, she has a warrant out for her, but um, I, um, um, my thing is, is that I'm still, it's like when I leave out of my house, I mean, I was put out of my place for three and a half months, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, when the, I guess when the court system realized that, um, that it was domestic violence, you know what I'm saying? You know, they um, had her um, put out of the put out of the residence, but I'm still walking on eggshells as today, as of today. You know what I'm saying? And I'm still trying to cope with it. I'm still trying to, um, you know, get past this. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You know, and I've dealt with the. I mean, I, I went to counseling um, at the um, at uh, the uh, Family Justice Center in Upper Marlboro. And no. did you continue? Are you still in counseling? Because this is not something that just happens. It didn't happen overnight, and, and it takes mm -hmm. a while. It's different for everyone, but clearly it sounds mm -hmm. like you need to continue uh, with mm -hmm. those services. Well, what happened was the um, counselor that I, um, that I was uh, seeing, and the psychiatrist that I was seeing, um, she... I guess went to another agency or something, mm -hmm. and so they had they had I had been I had reached out to them in regards to um, um, in regards to you know continuing the um, therapy, but um, what happened was I, I guess somewhere some somewhere along the line um, got I don't know something happened where just lost communication or something, or and they told me they were going to contact me, and no one ever contact, got back in touch with me. All right, you if you mean? wouldn't mind, leave your information, um, and, and we'll, we'll follow up with you, but you certainly need to continue um, with therapy, because I can clearly hear, and you're stating that, that you have not yet overcome um, that situation. Um, mental health is extremely important. Therapy is important. It's probably the best way to address, um, you know, the after effect, if you will, of an abusive situation. Um, so please leave that information or call us again 
and we will get you connected with the therapist. Bruce, don't don't hang up. Uh, our producer will pick up the line and get your information and so that it can be passed on to the uh, appropriate people. So Bruce, again, thank you so much for giving us a call and, uh, and the very, very best luck to you as you try to move through this. We could just have the producer go ahead and, and pick up that line now. Uh, before I go back to the phone lines, uh, you know, one of the things that one of the things that I think can be really troubling to me, and this actually well it didn't happen to me i I witnessed it in in a public place. It was in a sports bar in the beginning of football season. So I guess that was around you know August or so, and so in a sports bar, and a guy was with I assumed was his girlfriend, and it was her birthday, mm-hmm. and it was it was so disturbing to me that I I had to leave, but she was I don't know she was complaining about quietly complaining about something. There was a cake there and. And he, you know, jumped out of his seat and he jumped in her face and was calling her all kinds of words out of her name. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, she calmed down and then he lit the candle and was taking a selfie video. She blew it out, but she didn't do it right. Then he started fussing at her again and started saying, we're going to do this over again until you get it right. Mm-hmm. The, the feeling that I had, and I, and I know in this day and age, you have to be really, really careful because, mm-hmm. they, as they say, anything will pop off. Yeah, mm-hmm. But, you know, true. my first reaction was to say something. But if... If he didn't care about someone that he was supposed to care about, mm-hmm. then I knew that anything that I would have said in any way, shape, or form uh, would have been would not have been received well. Let me just put it like that. But you know, you know, Mandrell, when we talk about having this conversation with men, and, and you know, Bruce was. On the receiving end, obviously. But let's just talk about perpetrators, particularly men. How do you, in your circle of male friends, have this conversation about domestic violence? I talk about it all the time. They know where I stand. And they respect, they they know where I'm coming from. Um, A lot of guys bring up the point that The system's not fair. Um, The system's designed for um, a female's perspective, um, that they can't really say what they want to say as far as what happened. That's why I was so almost amazed that this guy just came flat out and said, listen, I'm scared to walk out the house. My um, ex um, has a warrant out. And so the guys that I speak to think that the system seems to be a little unjust when it comes to them when they're trying to express their perspective 
on things or situations that go on in their household. So most of them choose to remain silent. You mean when they you mean when they are on the receiving end or when they have been perpetrators? Um if because if, that because like I said I'm not talking about those who have been on the receiving end. I you know I you know you understand how difficult it may be, but I'm talking about you know men who put their hands on their significant others, their wives, their uh, you know, or it could, it could be their parents, or you know that that's the thing that I, I'm really trying have always tried to understand the why. Yeah, the the why. And to and and the self actualization piece to that. How can they begin to look at themselves and say uh, that I can't continue to do this? That it that it is wrong. That it is inappropriate. It is it is horrible and potentially criminal. First, I believe they have to understand what power and control is. Also, understand where it started. Um, why are they emulating? something that's possibly something that they wished, uh, witnessed as a child. And I, once they start to begin to understand what the abuse is, how it affected them as a child, how it's affecting them in the present, and them wanting to change and understand, hey, I need to get help because some don't get to that point. Some don't want that help. So the why is... You know, it's usually when you continue to have these conversations and I call them connected dots, it's it nine times out of 10 it's connected to something that they witnessed as a younger child or something happened along the way that allowed them to think that abusing women is love. It just doesn't come out as you're just going on through your daily life and you just go up and hit somebody because of a disagreement. But that comes through counseling and a conversation, an ongoing conversation of wanting help. I would add to that. It's also the piece about accountability. Uh, more, more often than not, men who abuse, and I would say women as well, um, they feel that it's an entitlement. It's their right to do so. They have this complex about ownership. They see that victim as their property. So they feel completely justified in doing what they do, and they take no accountability. In fact, they blame. They reverse it and say, you made me do it. It's because of this. It's because of that. Or if you had not done X, Y, or Z, I would not have done that. This is all your fault. You're, you're the person who has the issues. There's nothing wrong with me. So there's no accountability. And they choose those behaviors. Domestic abuse is a willful act. And as Vandrell stated, it's all about power and control. So they feel that they have the right to do what they do, when they do it, and they're completely justified. So until there's a sense of responsibility, ownership, accountability, and recognizing that no one, again, this is not healthy behavior. This is not how you resolve conflicts. Um, this is not how you treat a partner in a relationship. But yes, it does go back to history, um, life. Yeah, and I was about to say it that. that it, it, it wasn't too terribly long ago that there were 
you know, laws that allowed men Absolutely. to beat their wives Absolutely. So we're uh, in still this in country. That. It was codified. Absolutely. <laughs> patriarchal. And it's still, to the, some extent, a patriarchal society. You know, men still dominate and rule in many realms. And but, so that mindset does perpetuate the violence. You know, you mentioned the courts. I say to you, you talk to women and they'll tell you the exact opposite, that the courts are not fair to them. So it really, you know, it just depends, particularly if we're talking about custody. The whole power and control element comes into get who has the most money, who has the lawyer, um, who's better positioned to take the child. Oftentimes it is the man. Yeah. Real, real quick, um, Andrew. Before I, I go back to you, I, I want to get Eugene in calling from Maryland. He's been patient. Eugene, thanks for calling. What's on your mind? No, I just want to listen. Now, I will make. I will make call your Facebook probably tomorrow and make a contribution. But today, well, thank you. I would appreciate that. I'm a regular listener to uh, Daily Drum on a on uh, FM, but. Uh, Today I switched over when you when you switched over. Okay. So I'm just a regular fan of yours. Well, thank you. Well, thank you so much, Eugene, and thank you so much for listening. And and I do uh, I I will certainly uh, appreciate. A, uh, a contribution to help this this worthy cause. Also, uh, Patricia, she did make a contribution, and I appreciate that. Patricia's contribution got me over two thousand dollars. Wow! So thank All you right, so Harold. much. I I really appreciate that. Uh, so um, and Sanaya, um, I'm I'm expecting something from you too since you just <laughs> since you just friended me. Um, when here's a hypothetical. If a woman comes to the Prince George's County Family Justice Center and she needs help, she has had uh, an, a violent incident with her partner, and let's say she has two children, and the children are with her, and she has bruises, uh, what happens when she walks in the door? Well, a lot of that is going to depend on what she wants to happen. Um, we are a survivor-driven uh, facility. We don't tell people what to do. We make information and resources available to them, but on a normal basis on any given day, uh, there would be an immediate intake uh, whereby we would ask some questions. We need to get some basic information from her. Um, at that point in time, and I will point out, if she has her children with her, we're gonna have her children go into our children's room where we have staff and volunteers that will be with the children because obviously we don't want a child to relive or to hear about the horrific events that brought her there. Um, an intake specialist will get some information from her, um, do an assessment to find out just how dangerous the situation is because many times people downplay or they don't realize the severity of the situation. So we do a lethality risk assessment with that individual whereby we ask a series of questions and depending upon the score that that person gets, it could mean that they are in extreme danger and at that point we would immediately move into a secondary protocol where we have them go to the shelter or speak with an advocate at the shelter because safety has now become paramount. But you, you said you don't tell them what to do. You give them the options. So what, but what are their options short of, I mean, other than the ones that you just shared, for example, going, children going into the children's room and depending on what, what you discover in the lethology, uh, lethology evaluation, 
uh, and going to a shelter, what other options might they have? There are civil legal remedies, such as the protective orders. Um, we do safety planning. So we would make them aware of resources, primarily those that are going to help to keep them safe, because that's the issue at hand. Safety is always paramount. So with regard to options, yes. Um, you know, is that something that you want to do? Do you want to file? You said they're bruised. That's assault. That's now a criminal charge. Do you want to file criminal charges? They will then go forward with getting an arrest warrant put out or they may not want to do that. They may want to get a protective order, which would remove the individual from the home if they're living together or prevent that individual from being around them. So there are some things that can do, they can be done immediately. But as I said, safety is paramount and it just depends on where that person is. I think it's important to understand that even though people are in abusive situations, they are not always ready to move and do what you or I would think they should do, which is to get out of that situation. They just may want some immediate um, advice or to get counseling. The support. And yeah. support, but they're not ready to make any wholesale moves or to involve that man in the criminal justice system. That's usually a big problem. They need that individual to help pay the bills, to pay the rent, take care of them. So it really depends. It's a it's an individual case-by-case -case basis. But for us, it's really about making them aware of what options are available to them. What can we do to further ensure your safety and make sure that your children um, are, are, are in a good place as well? And there's a lot for victims because they have to determine if that's a decision they want to make. And does this lead to divorce? It's a huge amount of stress when you're saying someone's telling you to get out. But Well, you we know, don't tell them to get out. We well, tell them this is what's available to you. You can make that choice. But like I said, we right. would never say leave. Oh, well, yeah. should leave. Oh, right, right. And I'm sure you're just, probably talking about not at the Justice Center, but when your friends tell, tell you, yeah. you have to get out. When your That's family special. tells you, yeah. you have to get out. And as in many cases, it's... It's very different when you're on the outside looking in. Absolutely. Yeah. And when, Overwhelming. When you, yep. Yeah, when you're not being threatened. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and as you said, when there are uh, financial situations that are um, to be considered. Um, school, where are the kids going to go to school right. if, they have to, if they have to move? Will she be able to uh, get to work if she has to immediately get out and um and to the point about safety you know having visited the center just last week for the mm -hmm. very first time uh it's like fort knox up in that piece let me let me let me just let me just really say very i mean impressive. you've got you you've got a sheriff's deputy yep. right at the door you've got magnetometers mm -hmm. um to get to the elevator to, you you have to have a a security code um there is you know bullet resistant glass there i, I mean you know the cameras panic buttons that's right and all of that by design yeah and 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 it, that is a good thing i i would say that is a very very safe place mm -hmm. uh to be when you are you know seeking help and seeking Support. Look, mm -hmm. I, I want to thank you, Denise and Mandrell, yes, sir. for coming in. It's good to see you both. Yes, it's uh, been a while. Yes, indeed. I will see you all on Friday. Uh, 
Tripping the light, fantastic! Yes, I, I want to thank Twinkle Toes. Yeah, we all are of so that. Excited. You and the Twinkle Toes. Can't listen, wait. Let's see your toes. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's are very nice. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that is the daily. Hey, look, hold on. My Facebook page. Go to my Facebook page. I need more donations. That is the daily drum for this Tuesday, October 10th. I'm Harold Fisher. Good night.